Testing, testing. Is anyone out there? Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm so glad that you all are here. Thank you for being here with me today. And I got to tell you, we're going to talk about some fun stuff, but a couple of announcements first. And the most important of which is I don't really know where this is going to go. And the reason I don't really know where this is going to go is I have a general direction that I want to take this episode in. I try to leave these Friday live streams, which by the way, I'm going to set it down now as best I can in stone or maybe in some hardening clay at the least that one o'clock on Fridays is going to be a live stream and typically it will have Pritchett with us but this time there's no Pritchett and the reason is because he up and took off and went to Arkansas Um, so I'm here alone this week but uh, today I scheduled this live stream released the thumbnail and set up the page here that you're on and then all of a sudden uh, some guys had to come in here and fix all the lights in my room in the ceiling in this office and it took a while so i had to basically leave my office and so i haven't had really much time to put uh, a whole lot of thought into this uh but uh i have i have some general ideas so we'll just hey we'll just we'll just we'll just go at it together and and see where this takes us benjamin handelman says i miss pritchett already well we understand that benjamin it can always seem a little um uneasy and and frightening when pritchett's not here but we'll get through it. Now, um, Chris Date is here. Number one, Chris Date is a new channel member. Isn't that fantastic? Did you know you can be a channel member for a dollar? Now, let me just go ahead and give this speech one more time. If you are a person who is wanting to like substantially support the show, um, we encourage you, and by substantially, I mean with more than a dollar, <laughs> then uh, we, we would encourage you to go to patreon.com slash Radio. Patreon.com slash Trinity Radio is is where is is our more reliable source, and um, it, it they don't take as much of a percentage out of that as uh, YouTube does. So um, so we encourage you to do that if you want to give at Patreon.com slash Trinity Radio, and it has helped us to make the show a lot better, I think, in terms of the quality of stuff. Um, but uh, but if you want the cool little icon that will change colors as you as you age as a member and stuff like that, you can do that for a dollar. So so just do that if you just want that feature. Um, but um, well, praise the Lord, he chose the twenty five dollar. <laughs> praise the Lord, Chris. Thank you. Um, but thank you all so much for being here. Also on Chris date, Chris date on I think he says September sixteenth. I think that's right. Chris is going to be having a debate. On this channel, this will be the first ever debate on Trinity Radio. This is so exciting. And it's going to be uh, Chris Date versus Steve Gregg. Now, listen, for me, picking between Steve Gregg and Chris Date is kind of like Radiohead versus U2. I mean, these are both beloved 
uh, beloved guys that that both are affiliated with Trinity, both teaching courses at Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary, but differ on a secondary doctrinal issue. And one thing that I hope that people will get out of this is that at our school, um, we encourage uh, lively debate. We don't think that the kingdom is served by sweeping those things under the rug and ignoring them. We also don't think that the kingdom is served by consigning someone to the flames just because they disagree with you about a secondary doctrinal issue. And so we're excited about this. This is going to be great. Uh, go ahead and go over to that page when you get a chance and, and hit the reminder button so that you will be reminded of that incredible debate. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited about that. And it's on the question of what, let's see if I get this right. Is Israel the church or something like that? Um, it has to do with what is typically referred to as replacement theology by some people, although those that hold it don't want it to be called by that name most of the time. But anyway, you'll want to be here for that. And so, um, yeah, I think those are the the things I want to announce. One other thing I'll, I'll announce, since this is Friday and it's a bit more casual on the live stream, is that um, hopefully starting next weekend, hopefully starting next weekend, but I can't be sure, the goal is to begin again with my verse-by-verse study through Genesis, and I'm going to make that a regular part of the program. It's not always going to be the live stream. In fact, it may never be uh, the live stream. I probably will have it as a live stream, but it won't be the Friday live stream. And um, I'm going to go verse by verse, pick up where I left off and finish Genesis. If you haven't listened to that series, it's there as a playlist on the channel. Um, if you just go to um, youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter and click the playlist button, you can you can watch. There's something like 30 hours of it already verse by verse. And um, and, and I'm going to continue that. And hopefully forever, that's going to be a part of the show is doing a verse by verse that way. Um, it, that may not be why you're here. That may not be what you're into, but uh, hopefully that will open number one that will open us up to people that that would come here and benefit from that and secondly I want the people that come here because they're interested in worldview discussions and apologetics to get more into the Bible and I want people who are already in the Bible to get interested in apologetics so that will help serve the goals of this show all right so let's get to it now let's begin talking about AI Jesus so there is someone has created an AI and basically what they've done is they have loaded up the King James Bible into this AI's memory banks. And this AI was allowed to observe, learn from, and the guy who put this whole thing together, this engineer that did this, he says that it's something like um, if you gave, if you, if you left a child in a room with nothing but a King James Bible until they were 15 years old and then came out and asked them to speak, this is you might you might get something like what the AI Jesus is giving us. OK, um, so there may be some word of caution here for people that think that me and my Bible in the old oak tree is the best way to do theology. Um, the, the, the word of God can be studied in community and, and is and, and because we are a relational people and we have the church, I think it's best to study the Bible uh, on your own and in community. Um, so but the AI here has uh, come up with some phrases that are not copies of the King James, but uses the, the same sorts of language and sorts of words that you would find in the King James Bible. And, um, and, and the idea was, let's just see what he says. Let's see if, if anything meaningful comes out of this. And sadly, no, the answer is no. Nothing meaningful came out of this really at all. He thought that there were, but um, they thought there would be. But here's what AI Jesus, so they asked him about three different things. They asked him about, um, the end of days, so like end times type stuff, to see if he begins to prophesy, and he does. And then uh, they also asked him about um, about plagues because of the coronavirus to see what comes from that. And they asked him about Caesar. Now, I didn't include AI Jesus's teaching on Caesar here, but I did include the end of days and his thoughts on the plague. So here, here's basically what, um, and hey, everyone that's come in, hey, Slam RN, hey, Brando, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, so so here, here's what he has to say about the end of days, and I quote, this is AI Jesus. This is not Jesus actual, this is AI Jesus. He says, yeah, sh <laughs> Jacob Brown, Jacob Brown says they should have given him the ESV instead of the, instead of the uh, KJV. Uh, yeah, that might have, it might have been a little more uh, readable that way, but here, here's what he's, and maybe, hey, and if AI Jesus continues, maybe then they can, they can come out with an ESV version. So this is what he says, quote, the end of days and the ships that was before the temple. And he said, thou shalt, thou shalt not cause to be cleansed. And the Lord said unto me, take heed that the Lord am a refuge from 
the beginning. Now, I, I have no doubt that there are certain people that like to read the tea leaves of end times sort of stuff that think they can nail down the return of Jesus to the day and the hour, could probably make something sensible out of that if they cared to. Um, they could make that say something meaningful, perhaps. But I don't think it says anything meaningful. The most meaning I could get out of it is, uh, this is what I want you to know about the end of days. There are going to be ships before the temple, and they won't be clean. They won't, they won't be cleansed. That's, that's the mo, that's the mo. And so because of that, take, take heed that the Lord is your refuge from the beginning. So if you want to remain clean, don't go for the ships that are in front of the temple, go for the Lord. That's the best I, I can get out of that. Um, so, so there's the, the prophecy. He is prophesying. He is prophesying. You know, if you have a problem with me saying that he's prophesying, like that's disrespectful to real prophecies, understand there are false prophets. Apparently, there are artificial intelligences that are false prophets. And understand something. This is a great thing I got from Steve Gregg, uh, the guy who's going to debate Chris Date uh, on the 16th of September. And that is, if you claim to be a prophet, then you are one. If you claim to be a prophet, you are one. The question is just, are you going to be a true or a false prophet, right? Um, so anyway, uh, something, to, something to keep in mind. All right, now... Um, his thoughts on the plague. Now, this is all going somewhere. Okay, just stay with me. His thoughts on the plague. What does AI Jesus think about the plague? And perhaps this has relevance to COVID-19. He says, the plague shall be the fathers in the world. So this sounds like some kind of radical feminist sort of AI Jesus. The plague shall be the fathers in the world. And the same is my people that he may be more abundant in the mouth of the Lord of hosts. Now, as I'm reading this, this sounds, doesn't this sound, this sounds like something meaningful is being said. This sounds lofty. But all I can make out of this one is that the, the real plague isn't whatever plague you're experiencing when you're reading this. The real plague is the fathers of the world. That's the plague. And the same is my people. So I guess all of his people are a plague. AI Jesus is people that he may be more abundant in the mouth of the Lord of hosts. I got nothing, no clue what that's all about. Um, so, uh, so there you go. Uh, this, this, why am I talking about this? So if AI Jesus is just giving us nonsense talk, then in what sense did I, I mean, I say right there on the, on the card on the, uh, for this episode that, the, that, that he's going to reveal things to us. AI Jesus is going to reveal things to us about politics and abortion and atheism and so on. Um, so, don't despise AI Jesus's prophecy. Yeah, it's a it's a woke AI Jesus. That's right. Um, uh, yeah, Hutchie Hutchie says clearly a woke AI Jesus. But um, if he doesn't say anything meaningful, then how's he going to reveal all these things to uh, to us that I said he was going to reveal? Well, in the following way, he reveals some things to us because he is emblematic. I think of certain things. Is this does this mean that I was being a bit clickbaity? Yes. Rarely have I ever done that. So maybe a little bit, but just. Calm down, everyone. I've been at this for three years. I get to use clickbait occasionally. Um, yeah, not A1 Jesus. <laughs> not, not A1 Jesus, although I have to say that sounds like a delicious Messiah. Um, but, but it is a bit clickbaity. But what we're doing here is he is emblematic of some things that are wrong in our culture right now that I think we need to talk a little bit about. And um, we, we think we... So, he is emblematic of the fact that much of what we think we know about the socio-political and worldview issues that we talk about, we get from the surface level internet. It's slightly more advanced than AI Jesus, but not much. Um, what is happening is where Google perhaps is arbitrarily, somewhat arbitrarily, not as arbitrary as Jesus, is somewhat arbitrarily presenting you with information and, and knowledge claims. Uh, about things that you're interested in. on the surface web here. Um, in that sense, he is like AI Jesus. So in a way, we can think of AI Jesus as the internet today or surface level readings of the internet to get your information. And just as AI Jesus has given us perhaps occasionally meaningful statements, we didn't read any of them today, but they do say that um, the, the, the engineer that put AI Jesus together says that he, he does occasionally say things that are directly meaningful, and when he does, it's, it's a bit spot on. It's kind of eerie when that happens. But in the same way, you can get meaningful stuff from, from the surface-level internet. But because, but because AI Jesus says things about not getting into dirty boats in front of the temple, 
uh, that, that seems like nonsense language, it undercuts our trust and reliability in AI Jesus. And it also, uh, with Google and, and search engines and things like that, it undercuts our ability to trust everything that we read on the internet. Now, obviously that seems, that seems clear, right? Why would you trust everything on the internet? I mean, um, you, you, can, you can get, according to the internet, you can get flat abs in 10 minutes a day. Um, you, can, you can cleanse your whole body by drinking charcoal and you can remove moles with dental floss safely. Uh, according to the internet, we all know that the internet internet is not always uh, a, a a reliable place to go for this sort of information. In fact, um, comedian Dave Chappelle said about being in commercials and stuff on the internet. He said, "I don't even know why people listen to me. I'll say anything. I've done commercials for Coke and Pepsi. I I don't give a expletive." What comes out of my mouth? I just say it. Whatever it takes, that's what I'm saying. If you want to know the truth, can't even taste the difference. All I know is Pepsi paid me more recently, so it's better. That's pretty much how the game goes. And do you realize that a lot of the search results you get come to you because people have purchased those certain search terms? So the, the reality of all of this is, here, here's how Google works. Now, and if you think this is wrong or that I'm I'm unfairly characterizing this. And remember, we are going deeper. There's more to be said in just a moment. The thing I'm uncharacterizing this, I got this from a surface level search of the internet, all right? So if I'm wrong, it only proves my point. How Google works. Google and other popular search engines, such as Bing and Yahoo, search the surface web for information. The surface web, as opposed to the deep web, consists of public websites that are open to crawlers to read the website's information and store it in giant databases called an index. When a user searches for information, they are actually searching an index of information, not the website itself. The results that are returned are the ones that people seem to like in the past or most popular results for the query. That's right, the most popular not necessarily the most relevant, not necessarily the most reliable, the most popular search results. Now think about YouTube for just a moment. When you search for things on YouTube, what you come up with are the most popular results, the ones that YouTube thinks that you're gonna most appreciate, but, but it's often going to be results that are gonna have a large number of subscribers or views or whatever like that. And so when people come to look for worldview stuff, like to research atheism or Christianity or things like that, they are going to get a lot of YouTube atheist responses, and those are surface level sort of responses. And as a result, they're going to get, obviously, most of the time, horrible caricatures of Christian arguments. I'm going to cover one next week from some atheist guy that does cartoons that somebody sent me and just gets the Bible wrong, gets Christian apologetics wrong, uh, all kinds of horrible things like that. This is what happens when you go with a surface level reading. Now, um, this, so, so here's what, so here's AI Jesus isn't the real thing and is only giving you a strange approximation of something meaningful most of the time. And even if we were to, he were to get a lot right, you can't really trust him. The very concept though of AI Jesus is a bit dystopian, but this actually opens us up to a wider discussion. We are not currently living in a dystopia right now. We are not live America or the Western world or wherever you are. It's not really a dystopia. But there are some major dystopian sort of issues that are here. Imagine 60 years ago, someone hearing about these issues, and this is really where I want us to spend our time. We have a reality television star as the president of the United States. That's just reality. You say, are you talking smack about Trump? I'm saying we have a reality television star as the president. We uh, kill our children and speak of it as a virtue. By the way, that is a commonality. <laughs> in dystopian literature, Hunger Games. Uh, there's a new uh, book franchise called Second Born, where if, if, you're, if you're second born, you're, you're the lower class. And if you're third born, we just kill you. And it's, it's thought of as kind of a, a virtue, a good thing, a noble thing. We kind of look at it that way. Uh, cue all the people that tell me that even pro-choice people don't think of abortion as noble. No, but it's a virtue that you have this freedom to make your own decisions. Uh, there is a pandemic, and it has vastly altered the way that we live our lives. This is very much like a dystopian novel. There is racial division. Um, and lastly, and perhaps most controversially, we are surgically altering our physical bodies in order to identify identify more fully as a member of the opposite sex. Um, I submit to you, to individuals 60 years ago, 
who admittedly had evils of their own that needed to be eradicated. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't this for all the you know quintessential idyllic images we get of a leave it to beaver family in the 1950s. They had their own problems, the, the way that they the, the racial issues then being chief among them that we needed to consider. Uh, but at the same time, this would have sounded like a nightmarish dystopian science fiction book. But here we are. This is all either made possible or worsened by the fact that we are running to AI Jesus, that is the Internet and surface level readings of those things instead of going to a real authority, the actual Jesus, Jesus actual. And so um, and so because of that. We have no authority. We are our own authorities, and it's done. A, it has wrecked our society. Now, I want to talk a little bit about each one of these. So when it comes to Donald Trump, now, I can't tell you who to vote for. I'm not here to tell you vote to, who to vote for, but I also can't deny the fact that when I get done saying what I'm saying here, you're probably going to have some impression of who I'm not going to vote for. But the reality is we, we do have a man of, I'm going to upset all the evangelical right-wingers here, but who has demonstrated, I don't think this is a stretch of the imagination, um, a lack of moral character in, in relevant areas of his life. And I am not one of those people, and I frankly get annoyed by people who are on the religious right, who want to deify whoever it is and baptize them and make them holy just because they're your favorite political candidate or the one that is closest to uh, what, the views that you hold politically and perhaps religiously and, and all those other things that somehow now he's, he's been baptized and made holy and, and we can't, there's nothing, we can never speak ill of him. Now, while I do think there should be a level of decorum when you're talking about the president of the United States, and hopefully I can observe that, I don't think there's anything wrong with pointing out the flaws in our nation because how else are we going to make the nation what it ought to be? And it does bother me that there are Christians who may in their minds be right to vote for Donald Trump, may be right to vote for Donald Trump, but but in in their zeal for their political party and for the issues that are on the table and that are at stake, which are big issues, and that is relevant, they end up bringing in a new baby with the bathwater, if you understand what I mean, by, say, by treating this character as though he is some sort of a messiah in and of himself, and he is not. And I think those things are relevant to mention here. Um, so, so I think that that's important to mention. Uh, but at the same time, that is a separate question from the more sensible uh, issue. And this is probably about as political as you'll ever hear me get on this program. That, that, is a, that, is, that is a different question with, has he more or less accomplished what those who put him in office expected him to accomplish? That is a separate and fair question. Another separate and fair question um, is, is what he, whether or not you think what he stands for, he really cares about what he is standing for especially in a time when there are justices that we need to consider and things like that. And that brings us to the second issue of our dystopia. We do not live in a dystopian society, but of our society that is becoming more and more dystopian uh, if we go by popular dystopian uh, iterations. And that is, we kill our children and speak of it as a virtue. I said this uh, day before yesterday when I released, um, or yesterday when I um, uh, released a uh, episode about um, something else. I was talking about the fact that we are, this is an issue where I take no prisoners. This is an issue where despite the fact that I try to be the nice guy and I'm usually very calm and meek, and I want to be that to the people that have perhaps um, had abortions and maybe didn't understand everything that was at stake, didn't understand all the philosophical ideas or positions and thought, hey, my culture is telling me, perhaps my parents are telling me that this is an acceptable procedure that you can have. And um, so as a result, I think this is okay. And now later they realize that, that, it's, that that's not true, or they at least hear the message later that it's not true. I do think that the clinicians who are carrying these things out know enough to know that they should consider this to be morally reprehensible. This, to my mind, is the most wicked thing we do in society today. And again, if you've done this, then there is forgiveness, there is love, there is mercy, and we understand that you might not have understood. So this is not to say that you are a monster, but it is to say that what we are doing is monstrous. And so if I sound a bit like a loudmouth, leather-lunged, red-faced preacher, I can't help it and I'll wear it like a badge of honor here. But this is not a political issue. This is an issue that has been politicized. And this is not a religious—this doesn't even have to be a religious issue. I think that if I were a secularist or an atheist today, I would still be pro-choice. 
um, more objective morality. I mean, pro pro life. I'm sorry, objective morality aside. Um, and and why why is why is this the case? Well, first I want I want to talk for a moment about how I think this plays into issues of politics and things like that. But but I do I do want to point out that this is not we. I'm, I'm trying to find this real quick. That I had a web page pulled up that I want to get to, but. Um, but th this is th there's no question among those who really know what they're talking about with this issue. There's really no question about whether it's a human life from the moment of conception. You have male human biological material combining with female human biological material. And now you have new human biological material, which is to say you have new human life. Now, I realize that that may sound to you like putting it a bit to um, it, that it's more nuanced than that. But what I do want to say about this is the question is not whether it's new human life. It's new human life. The question is, is it a person from the moment of conception? And that's where it becomes no longer a scientific debate. If you're one of those people that thinks that science answers the question of abortion, it's just a category error. It's just wrong. It's not that science can't inform it, but it's just not a scientific question. It is a philosophical question. It might be a theological question, but it's definitely a philosophical question. And it's a question about at what point do individual human lives become persons, which is to say we should think of them as persons. And then we can all agree that it's wrong to kill a person. So what you have now is you have a spread. Some people think that it should be considered a person from the moment of conception. Some people think that it should be considered a person once it reaches a certain level of cognitive development. Some people think it should be a person after a certain number of weeks. Some people think it should not be a person until it exits the birth canal. But the question is, where is personhood? And if you think I'm wrong about this issue of human being, whether it's a human from the moment of conception, um, take the words of Peter Singer, for example. Peter Singer, no less, says, it is possible to give human being a precise meaning. We can use it as equivalent to a member of the species Homo sapiens. Whether a being is a member of a given species is something that can be determined scientifically by an examination of the nature of the chromosomes in the cells of a living organism. In, the sense that, in, in this sense, there is no doubt that from the first moments of its existence, an embryo conceived from human sperm and eggs is a human being. And, of course, the late uh, Christopher Hitchens said, unborn child seems to me to be a real concept. It's not a growth. You can't say that the issue of rights don't come into question. So I think that sensible people uh, who, are, who are aware of these things are aware that this becomes a philosophical question about personhood. Now, here's the problem. If you if, if you don't think that the let's say you're not religious now, obviously, as religious people, we can look to scripture and there are scriptures that seem to indicate that even during the process of, of development, what you have um, what you have developing is uh, is already something that is of value as a person because God is knitting it together in the womb and those sorts of things. Um, but uh, but even from a secular position. What happens is it becomes arbitrary at what point you should consider it doesn't you, you don't know at what point to say that it's when it reaches a certain level of cognitive development is somewhat arbitrary. I mean, it's not completely arbitrary because you are putting some sort of a standard out there. But how do you know that's the right standard? How do you know you've considered everything? How do you know that it's not it shouldn't be considered a person prior to a certain level of cognitive development? And what do you do about the fact that after birth, people have varying levels of cognitive development? These are all important questions that need to come into this. And so it does become somewhat not completely arbitrary, but it doesn't answer the question. And that's fine with some things, but literally life and death is on the line here. Um, if you think that it only becomes a person, that the, 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 the child only becomes a person after exiting the birth canal, I think that's just the end of logic. I, I don't, there's nothing, as others have said, there's nothing magical about the birth canal that conveys personhood onto someone. That's absurd. So at what point, where do you put this? Where, where do you put, if I laid out a sheet with, uh, let's say a couple dozen pictures of embryos at different stages is it a person here? Is it a person here? Where does it become a person? And here's the thing. You may have an idea. You may have an opinion, but you can't know. And so you're, you're, you're somewhat guessing. Now, here's an, a thought example that I've given on this. Um, and that is, let's imagine that there is a booth. And this, I had someone really get mad at me for this once because 
they were uh, thought I was saying something about a woman in a boot. I, I don't know what they thought. So if you find this offensive, I mean, obviously people will find it offensive anytime I'm talking about abortion, but if you find this offensive for reasons that I don't hold, maybe I'm just not communicating well. But if you have a booth, and let's say this booth represents uh, the possibility of a human life, okay, inside this booth, and there are no windows on the booth, but imagine a phone booth with no windows, and there's a person, in, there may or may not be a person inside, and you need to get through that doorway, and you can make the stakes as high as you want them, but you need to get through that doorway. Now, you have a detonator at your disposal, and you can explode this booth. And if there is a person inside, you will have effectively killed that person. But if there is no person inside, you, it's fine. It was just a booth that you destroyed. And, and whatever your intentions are, are probably more valuable than the booth itself, right? So you have this choice. Would you be right, and when would you be right, to explode that booth? Maybe if you were going to die, if, you, if your life was, gonna, was on the line, if you were going to die if you didn't get through the doorway, perhaps then we could have a sensible conversation about self-defense and what it means for abortion and all those kinds of things. Perhaps we could have more of a sensible discussion there, although that's extremely rare. But, you, but, but when would you, other than that, be, be right within your rights to explode this booth? And what you see happening here is we come to a point where we have two virtues at play, and I, I get this from... Um, Norman Geisler, uh, someone asked me here, let's see. First of all, thank you for this super chat, Kit Horton. Um, you say, what book do you recommend for arguing a pro-life position? I don't know about a book, but I think that um, the sled argument by Stephen Schwartz is absolutely fantastic. So I think he wrote a book on that, and perhaps that book would be, would be a place that I would point you. Um, but the sled argument, basically the sled argument points out that there are only four, po or let's see, S-L-E-D, yeah, four possible differences um, between a, a, an unborn uh, a fetus and a born human being of whatever age, size, level of development, environment, and degree of dependence, and then goes through and shows how none of those make a difference with born individuals. And so it, it's, it's an incredible argument. So perhaps check out Stephen Schwartz. Uh, but what I was about to say, again, thank you for that super chat. What I was about to say is that um, in Norman Geisler's four-volume set, which I think now you can get as a, a one-volume, with, with, it's probably heavily edited, but his systematic theology— in the appendix to one of these, maybe maybe the section that discusses anthropology, he points this out, that you have competing virtues here when it comes to a woman and her choice to abort. On the one hand, you have the, the virtue of freedom. Freedom is a virtue. It's a good thing to be free, to be free to make choices. That's a, that's a good thing. That's a valuable thing. So you have that virtue at play. But then on the other hand, you have the, the virtue of life. And if you don't know for sure if there's a person in the booth, what you have now is, and, and that's to represent that you can't be sure if you're a secularist at what point this should be considered a person and it becomes somewhat subjective, although it's, it can't be subjective, then, what you, then, then where you are is you're, you're, you're casting the virtue of liberty, of freedom, against the virtue of life. Now, which of those should win out? Obviously, both, both are very important, but the virtue of life should win out. How can you ever... Um, you say it may be to end someone's life, but I'm, I'm, but it's okay because I'm not hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure. And so I'm going to go ahead with this. I just, uh, now when I say ever, there are cases where I think we can have a reasonable discussion and perhaps that is if it's definitely seems like it's going to end the woman's life, the mother's life. I don't know. Uh, we could have a discussion about that. That's a bit more sensible, but for all the other cases, I think that's really relevant and helpful to, to keep in mind. Now, the last thing I want to say about this before we move on from it is this. Um, I, I said this yesterday. I, I really, and I know I'm not going to make a lot of fans when I say this, but it blows my mind when Christians say something like, well, you know, I, I'm, um, I, I'm obviously pro-life, but I, I, think it's, I think abortion is horrific, but who am I to tell someone else what to do? Okay, I understand that sounds very open-minded and that sounds like you're not trying to force your beliefs on someone else. But let's just tweak it a little bit. Now, if you really think that abortion is horrific and you think that abortion is, like, let's say, tantamount to murder, well, if you really believe that, then what if we were to say something, would you ever find yourself saying something like this? Um, I, of course, I think killing 25-year-old women is horrible. But who am I to tell someone else what they should do? I mean, are you kidding me, right? So if you really do believe that, 
the, the problem is we aren't consistent with what we say we believe sometimes and how we function. Bring that to the issue of politics. And this is where I say, you know, maybe I'll tip my hand a little bit here. But the reality is people get made fun of for being single issue voters. I understand that. That sounds ridiculous. How could you ever just take one issue into consideration? Well, let me give you a thought experiment that I gave yesterday, and perhaps it will resonate with some of you. And perhaps some of you you will just think I'm some kind of radical, crazy right winger. But this is again that this is not a political issue. This is an issue that's been politicized. But what if we had a politician who was running for president who seemed very sensible and had some great policies otherwise uh, could really clean things up and fix some things. But um, this particular candidate was in favor of killing six million Jews. Now, that's just one of many things that they hold. It's not their big ticket. And I mean, you know, they, they have uh, among those who think that you can kill six million Jews. This particular guy has a much more restrained understanding of how we should go about killing six million Jews. Um, would it even be on the table? Would, would we even would we even care to hear what his other policies are? Given that, would he even be a consideration? Now, there are probably for those of you that are pro-choice, you probably have things springing into your mind right now that you're shouting at your phone or shouting at the screen. And that's fine. However, th there is, when you think about it this way, it doesn't sound so crazy. Though you may think people that view it that way are wrong, it doesn't sound so crazy that there are a lot of single issue voters and this is the issue that matters to them so much. And, and, it, and it makes it very difficult to, to reach out across the aisle and it makes it very difficult to even consider voting for someone who's pro-choice because of issues like this. And so, um, you know, uh, the, this is these are issues that I think should be considered. All right, let's let's move on to uh, the next thing. There is a pandemic right now. And it has vastly altered the way we live. Now, I'm not saying that uh, some people have. Uh, I'm not saying the virus is anyone's fault, obviously, but it has certainly made us into into a different country. How do we function? And more importantly, how do we function consistently? I'm not the first to ask why attending church is a problem and stumbling over each other while dripping with sweat at a protest isn't. I'm not saying that you definitely should go to church. I haven't gone to church in months. However, well, I did go this weekend. I did go to, I feel, man, I feel, I don't normally talk about this sort of stuff. And so I feel like I'm getting a little bit sassy and I don't mean to do that. Okay. I guess that's, it's me compensating that Pritchett isn't here, but, um, I, so I'm not telling you to go back to church right now. I think that is an, an issue of perhaps your state law, perhaps your personal conviction. I, I haven't gone to church in months except this weekend when I went and spoke at a couple of churches. Um, however, um, I think, I think um, I'm looking right here is, is uh, is Chris Date not a moderator on this channel? Uh, if he's not, we got to fix that real quick. Sorry about this. Uh, let's see, Chris and ad moderator. Um, yeah, so so I, I I'm not telling you when to go to church. What what I am telling you is I don't think we're treating this consistently, and that is a symptom of the fact that though I don't think anyone intended the the coronavirus. I do think that it has been used ideologically by both sides of the aisle. And part of the reason this becomes possible is because we're looking to AI Jesus to get our answers online rather than looking, you know, looking at deeper sources. You say, well, what deeper sources? Well, uh, for one thing, there are somewhat deep web uh, places to get research. I'm not talking about the scary deep web. Um, for those of you that have you ever tried to get, look at a journal article and you couldn't, and it was going to cost you like 45 bucks to get that journal article. Well, there are journal article subscription, uh, places. There are also uh, surface level, um, outlets that are reputable. Um, and it's very difficult right now to find the truth in the midst of everything being politicized. I mean, I, I get annoyed when I run into hardcore conservatives who act like, well, I haven't met anybody who's had the virus or I don't even know anyone who knows anyone who's had the virus. Well, I do. OK, so so that that party line stuff is nonsense. I just hate how political this is. And then the other side has made it political. This is this is the end of reason. Um, I don't know what the answer is, but I know that I'm less sure of how to get to an answer because of the politics on both sides. We're experiencing racial division right now, obviously. And here again, while the obvious horrific nightmare that was the George Floyd killing 
is plain to see. It's difficult to get to other truths, and it's hard to know the motivations of certain organizations because this has all become politicized to such a degree. Um, yeah, uh, someone, so yeah, just taking care of some housekeeping stuff there. Um, this has all become so politicized, it's hard to see. And the problem is, if you, no matter which side you're on, if you voice what you think is a sensible point uh, on these issues, you're either a racist or you're caving to the liberals or this sort of thing has made it almost impossible to get to the truth about some of these most important issues. Um, lastly, and perhaps this is the most controversial, we are surgically altering our physical bodies in order to, I to identify more fully as a member of the opposite sex. You know, um, I, I, there's not too much to say about this because for those that, see this as a problem and it does get a bit um obviously there's data about the mental health issues related to this and 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 i don't want to get into that but i can say this much this maybe does get to the theological side of things um to my mind i agree with paul in romans chapter 1 verse 20 when he says the invisible things of god as eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen through what has been made so that they are without excuse so that idolaters are without excuse, but I think it works with other groups who are not specifically and obviously idolatrous in the same way that he was that he meant it. But when this is going to sound so bad, I know this is going to sound so bad to, to people that don't resonate with my position. But if if but it is obvious, as Paul says, it is obvious certain things about God and what he wants from the nat from nature around us. And this is certainly true with our physical bodies. And when we and when we look at our physical bodies, the physiology of man and woman, and I realize that there are extreme exceptions. I've known people like this. But when we look at our physical bodies and we see what the what the designer intended and then we say, I see what you wanted here. I see what you had in mind, but I'm going to do the opposite. Um, this can only be a reject a, a, a sort of a blasphemy, a, re a rebellion, a rejection of what the designer intended even if, even if it doesn't feel that way to the individual, and I want to be very sensitive to anyone going through this, I'm going to sound like a bigot. I had someone on my episode on homosexuality tell me just the other day, you are a bigot, but you are probably the nicest bigot I've ever met. <laughs> if that's as far as it gets, I guess. But the truth about this is um, I think we need to lovingly approach people that are experiencing this, and we need to treat them with love and kindness. And, um, and, and I realize that there are psychological issues that need to be taken into account. But what I'm trying to get to in the end is, to individuals 60 years ago, again, they had their own problems, uh, particularly racial stuff, and, and women, stuff with women. But this would have sounded like a nightmarish dystopian science fiction book. But here we are. This is all either made possible or worsened by the fact that we are running to AI Jesus for our answers, rather than to the one true son of God. We need an authority. And when you let everyone in an individualistic society just be their own authority, that's not to say that they shouldn't have their own individual freedom. But when the cultural suggestion is um, somewhat postmodern and uh, you, you decide for yourself what's true for you, then, um, then this, is, this, uh, this sort of thing emerges. Okay, well, I've kind of gotten through the monologue of sorts that I wanted to give, and it took me actually longer than I thought. Does anybody have any thoughts, or do you want to rebuke me or challenge me on anything that I've said? Um, anything that you want to say, add to, whatever, we are here uh, to, to hear it from you. Yes, the programmer, I gave you a wrench. I, I, I haven't given everyone wrenches, um, but I, <laughs> if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Um, yeah, Chris Tate, you're now a moderator and, uh, people that I really, really trust. I've just added Tatiana because it's not, if you don't, if you're not a mod, it doesn't mean I don't trust you, but, but certain people, um, are really, really, uh, important, uh, to this channel, um, and, and to it becoming what it has become. Tatiana has just been made a moderator, whether she wants it or not. And part of that is because she is the official unofficial Trinity radio um, what, what did I say? Director of public relations or something like that. Um, so yeah, well, 
Uh, I'm not seeing too many other questions, uh, but I'm, I'm waiting. Let me scan back through here. Let's see. Politics, the Star Wars apologist says, are about feelings. Truth is ignored and Jesus is the truth. So we should look for truth. We've traded Jesus for political parties and leaders. Yeah, I mean, you basically you basically just said, I could have said that and not done the rest of this live stream because that's that encapsulates most of what I have to say. Um, by the way, while I have you here, Star Wars apologist, when is the Mandalorian season two coming out? Because I'm waiting patiently. Um yeah, congrats everyone who made mod. Tear stain, tear stain says, tear stain is new, a newbie here. Well, welcome tear stain. We are so glad that you are here to stain us with your tears. Our church reopened. Josh Beaver says, a month or so ago, and there is still division along political lines about wearing masks or not. I'm saddened by the lack of maturity in the church. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, Chris Tate's recommending a resource here. You might want to plug Life Training Institutes with Scott Klusendorf. Um, thanks for that, Chris Date. I'm not familiar with that. Let's see. Braxton, would you? what would you do if you cannot find a Bible-believing church near you? Um, yeah, I've given this some thought. It's never been me. I've always fortunately been near enough to a church that is close enough to what I consider. I guess it would depend a little bit on... Um, I think it would depend a little bit on what you what you consider to be. So as long as they were Bible believing on the fundamentals of the faith, the most important issues, the bodily resurrection, the atonement, uh, the uh, the virgin birth, you know, the Trinity, these kind of the things that are the most important issues. Um, you know, I, I think Al Mohler put it like this, and I think it's pretty good that you have this like pyramid shape of of doctrinal importance where the things on the top are the things that, that there's fewer of those things. And those are the things that we don't equivocate on as believers. Those are things that if you're in any sense a Christian, you're going to hold to those things. And so with those things, um, uh, we can't equivocate on those. But then the second level things, things like Calvinism, uh, perhaps your understanding of the nature of hell, um, perhaps your understanding of whether Israel is the church in the sense that it's going to be debated, debated on this channel on September 16th. Um, issues related to the spiritual gifts, things like that would be like perhaps second level issues. And then third level issues might be something like what what time during the service should you take up the offering or something? I mean, you know, who cares? Right. So as long as those top level things are are there, um, I could go to that church, even if I disagreed strongly with them on secondary doctrinal issues. I don't know if that helps at all, but um, but hopefully that'll that'll give you something to go on. Uh, hey, uh, hold on a second here. Jim Amberg, who I always refer to as our channel angel, says your positions on these things seem very sensible for Christians to hold. Thanks for voicing them. I hope so, Jim Amberg. Um, I, 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 I hope so. You know, I'll tell you something. I was in a real pickle um, back when it was Romney versus Obama because, uh, in fact, that was that was the only time I think in my adult life that I, that I voted uh, third party. And I realized that some people view third party as throwing away your vote. But the reason I did was because even though Mitt Romney lined up more on these on particularly on the issue of abortion with me um, and Obama didn't. The fact was I was now faced with, OK, I've got this guy who who has a pro-choice position. And so I can't I can't see myself voting for him. On the other hand, Mitt Romney is a part of uh, a cult, in my opinion. Um, that is teaching false a false gospel. And much of the New Testament is devoted to telling me not to entertain things like that. And here I'm going to make him one of the leaders of the free world. I, I couldn't square that. And so despite what my parents thought, perhaps I don't know what they thought. I, I would imagine they wouldn't have thought that I should have done this. And what others thought, I decided to um, to vote third party. So um, yeah, but uh, but so I try to be sensible about it and and not just go with the party stuff. Um, and, you know, one of the problems in church is if you have a good church and, and you love everything about that church, but the church begins to incorporate political stances as though they are, it can get mixed up in people's thinking. What is Bible gospel truth and what is politics here in this church? So we've got to be really careful with that. Um, Daniel Apologetics gives me five, some kind of European currency. What is that, a euro? Um, thank you so much, Daniel Apologetics, on behalf of Europe. Thank you for make, uh, making streams at this hour. Yeah, well, you know, part of the thing is I had a conversation with Mike Winger, 
And um, Mike Winger uh, is going to start streaming at 3 o'clock, I think, uh, Central Time. And so I, I moved mine back to 1 o'clock so we're not uh, running over each other there. Um, I feel like there's some other people out here saying things that I'm not getting to. I don't think that um, uh, October. Okay, October. All right, so, yeah. All right, well, I'm going to let this go. Um, I, I, I've enjoyed this. This has been fun. Thank you for the super chats. Someone gave me a super chat. and uh, Daniel apologetics gave the Euros. Yeah, okay. I got everybody, I think. Thank you so much for making this channel what it is. Thanks for showing up for this live stream today. Um, I, I really appreciate you being here. And every one of you, really, every time you click a video, it, it, it encourages me that this can be a very discouraging uh, realm doing ministry online. And um, I, I really, really appreciate what you do uh, just in clicking or subscribing. And, and if you're here and you're not subscribed, you know, I have a large number of people who are not subscribed to this channel. Um, and so like, I think it's like less than 1% or something are subscribed who watch my videos. So, so listen, if you're not subscribed, would you just click that subscribe button, please? I, I mean, it's, it doesn't cost you anything and it really helps out what we're trying to accomplish before long. We're going to make it to 10,000 subscribers and that unlocks some features on YouTube that I can't currently use. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, yeah. Um, so I see other people making comments. Does it seem, this is the last question I'll take. How about that? Um, does it seem like evangelicals in America are preaching to the choir? Are we blowing our witness in the process? How can we vote biblically and not lose our witness? I think that probably the best thing to do if you're, if you're, if you're wanting to vote, here's what I think. I think making it clear why you're voting the way you are and not deifying the candidate, but, but being clear about it. And I see a lot of Christians doing this saying perhaps about Trump. I can't, I have real problems with the man himself. Um, I have real problems with his policies on X, Y, and Z. And however, here is my motivation. And if, and if I had a, another candidate, I, I would, you know, or perhaps if you're by, if you're voting for Biden, you could, you could say similar things that way. Um, yeah. Someone says, uh, so you say says, so your cult went mainstream because I referred to the church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints as a cult. Yeah. I mean, a cult in the, um, etymological sense, uh, a cult. Yes. But in the popular level way that we mean it today, we mean a movement that is, uh, so you have a religious, a theological cult and a sociological cult. A theological cult has beliefs that are out of step with mainstream uh, stuff or are considered bizarre or uh, something like that. And a societal cult is not necessarily making theological comments, but acts that way. Um, so you might see that in some um, pyramid scheme type social marketing type stuff. Uh, so yes, basically I, I, I can say my cult went mainstream. I also think that the one that I affirm happens to be the one that represents the truth about the nature of reality. And that's the more important thing, but thanks for showing up. All right. Uh, so, uh, this has been fun and I'll see you next time on Trinity radio.